what you're painting artists is this beautiful vision of like, Hey, what happens in the future is that a lot of that friction just gets like reduced, right? Because of these, these tools. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer's Guide to ChatGPT and Generative AI, a special podcast series brought to you by Enrollify and Element 451 and hosted by Artis Kadu, founder and CEO of Element 451, and yours truly, Zach Buzicruz from Enrollify. Over the next four weeks, we're taking a deep dive into the past, the present, and the future of the role that artificial intelligence plays in higher education marketing and student recruitment. In episode one, you'll get a crash course on what ChatGPT is and why higher ed marketers and enrollment managers should care about this revolutionary tool. In episode two, you'll join Artis and I for a live brainstorm on how marketers and admissions professionals can use ChatGPT to generate innovative campaign ideas and to increase operational efficiency. In episode three, Artis and I are joined by JC Benia. Element board member and the chief data officer at Vayner Media for a conversation on the history of generative AI and how the broader advertising space is using AI to promote their products and services. And finally, in episode four, Artis and I are joined by Element's chief technology officer, Petar Georgievich, for a conversation on how Element is using AI to build one of the industry's most powerful and user-friendly CRMs on the market. All right, without further ado, Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketer's Guide to ChatGPT and Generative AI. All right, everybody, we are live. Artists, Petar, how are you guys doing today? Hello, Zach. Doing great. Doing great, doing great. Artists and I are doing great because it's nice and early where we are. Petar is in Indonesia right now, and he's like, it's like 11 p.m. his time right now as we're recording this. So I don't know, like, are you drinking coffee right now, Petar, to stay awake or like, do you need any stimulant? Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, it was like two hours ago. So okay. I'm just, just, you know, just focused. And uh, after this one, going to sleep. So you have, so yeah, you have your coffee at 9 p.m. while the rest of us have our coffee at 9 a.m., uh, if, if not, you know, way before that. <laughs> true, true. Probably not healthy, but uh, it's just a special occasion. So. <laughs> uh, I like it. Um, well, folks, welcome back to uh, episode four in this four-part uh, podcast series that Enrollify and Element have teamed up uh, together on. As a quick refresher, if you're just joining us for this episode, we're doing a deep dive into AI and ChatGPT in particular and how it impacts and uh, will continue to impact higher education, specifically in the context of higher education marketing and enrollment management. So this is a, a powerful, like jam-packed series. Last episode, we had JC Benia on, who's doing some incredible work um, at VaynerMedia and who also sits on the board of Element. Uh, the episode before that, Artis and I actually do some screen sharing where we go into ChatGPT itself and queue up several prompts. And so this is a, a really dynamic series. So if you haven't listened to the first three episodes, scroll on down to the show notes below and we'll have all of those episodes linked there. But this episode, again, kind of wraps our series here. And what we wanted to do and why we wanted to bring Petar into this conversation is we want to talk a little bit more practically and specifically about how ChatGPT and its underlying um, mechanisms 
will be used in the context of higher education CRMs, right? In, in, in the tools that you all use every day to attract, engage, uh, enroll, and, um, and retain your students. So I'm ex super excited, Petar, to have, to have you on. And again, just super thankful for you making the time to have this conversation with Artis and I. Thank you, Zach. Thank you for this opportunity, what we're building and uh, how we're thinking about AI. And I think there's some, there's some cool stuff in there. We'll yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I thought it would be nice, uh, a, a nice way to just kind of kickstart this conversation, Petar, is if you could just share a little bit about like, what are, how is AI already kind of used in the context of most uh, CRMs? Like already, like AI, I think sounds, it can sound like this very like abstract, you know, the robots taking over the world kind of thing. But the reality mm -hmm. is m most of us interact with AI every single day already with the tools that we use. So could you just give us like a quick overview of some of the things that we're probably all used to doing in our CRMs that AI is, is, is helping facilitate those interactions? Sure, sure. So one, one good analogy that I heard when I was uh, researching a, a while back is uh, don't think like AI, uh, if you were like incorporating it, that it will uh, instantly change your flow and don't think it will like make you immediately smarter hmm. think that like you just got like a thousand hands or like thousand people working for you and trying to help you to automate certain certain tasks so uh if you think about that uh crms before used it because there's like multiple generations right yeah. as as time goes the innovation is and especially in the ai space in the last couple of years it's, it's going really rapidly uh but before uh you most most commonly you will see in ai being used in cases of for example Fraud detection, that was a really common scenario, uh, mm. uh, detecting duplicates, right? Especially in the CRM space, right? Because you are, you, your CRMs are mostly, you're dumping your data from different sources and there might be a lot of duplicates. So that, it was really good at detecting that. I mean, humans will be able to do that as well, but you'll be able to encode that kind of knowledge in it. Mm. Um, that was uh, one more use case that's quite interesting as well was predictive analytics, right? Trying to predict what's next based on certain actions that, that users or students or depending on what, what what's your actor. Um, and most common that everybody knows of, right? Recommendation systems, right? Mm. You, see, you have that in Netflix, you have that in your HBO Max or different streaming platforms. So that that that's what you've, you've most probably seen and used day, daily. Um, Amazon, right? Shopping cart, what, what to buy next based on what you did before. So that it's it's quite it's not something new right it's been here for a long time yeah uh, but now there's a lot of hype because this latest generation of innovation that has happened uh makes it really easy to use really powerful machine learning models to power your day-to-day -day. uh and then i think that you will see that this a lot of companies now will start incorporating it so yeah. so you can expect you can expect tools and products to to have this incorporated more easily yeah well going forward on that note, actually, a question that I have is like, like marketing automation, right, is, is a term that we've all used for for years, right? And this idea of like, if then logic, and like we talked about like the decision tree last episode, right? Is is that sort of like a also just a very like practical, like, it's, it's not a human that's going in and sending that confirmation email, right? There's workflow logic that's built that after somebody comes in, they RSVP to your open house, they're going to get a triggered notification saying, hey, Petar, you're, you know, you're, you, we've saved you a seat, right, to our open house. So mm. that is that is also, right, like a, a form of AI at play, correct? Or, or is that technically something else? 
we can get very technical. <laughs> sure. Tatar's like shaking his head, like, eh, uh, I don't know. Those terms, <laughs> we, <laughs> um, at, at the end of the day, like we, you know, we can call something machine learning, AI, we can call it automation, but um, the outcome and the kind of the goal for the outcome is very similar. We want to automate something. We want to have these helpers do things that we traditionally do manually. And when you think about it is that the machines are really good at detecting yeah. patterns. Um, so yes, the automation part can be done in a more simplistic way. However, when you think about AI is its ability to look at massive amount of data and uh, in the CRM space or specifically in the tools they're using every day, it's looking at all the activity and the actions mm. that you're taking and trying to predict what are the patterns there so it can give you, like Petter said, better recommendations or kind of um, give you a, a different view of a particular email or a particular um, kind of piece of content depending on your mm. prior history. And that's the things that we have been focusing on the past in, in Element Traditionally, it's been around activity information or behavioral AI or behavioral uh, machine learning or data yeah. analytics. Like the behavior is super important when you deal with CRMs because, you know, you're capturing things like addresses and, and so on and so forth. But it's the behavior that really makes a difference in how people interact with your brand and how they interact with you as a school or as a program that is going to say, hey, you're more likely to open my next email or you're more likely to actually receive my call and you're a better fit than somebody who yeah. has not interacted yeah. at all. So that's the simple notion of kind of what we've been over the past five so, years. So let me throw out this scenario and, and you all you both tell me if this is like a, a helpful way to think about the, the distinction between marketing automation as we might know it today and what when we're talking about AI and its applications in the context of CRM, what that might mean, if not today, like in, in the near future. So let's say, right, a prospective student, they go and we'll just stick with this event marketing analogy. They go and they RSVP to an open house event, right? Marketing automation as we know it, right, there'll be one trigger communication. It might include one or two, you know, variable tokens, right, in the context of the email. It'll, it'll pull in Petter's name and also his like program of interest, right, in, in the confirmation email. But it's basically going to be the same email that everybody who signs up for this particular event is going to get. Whereas as AI continues to be infused right. into, into these tools, what we could see is we could see a confirmation email. Everyone's signing up for the same event, but the confirmation email that folks get could be wildly different in terms of semantics and in terms of tone and style based off of what the machine has learned about how artists interacts with content versus how Petter interacts with content. Is that, is that right guys? It is definitely cool. Cool. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. And, and one of the things that you can think about that is, uh, you know, a hundred hands yeah. helping you. <laughs> I, I keep coming back to that analogy. Um, well, think about it this way. If I were to respond, you know, individually to that student or to that email, if I were to write that email, um, I would learn a little bit more mm. about Zach and kind of know it's okay, okay, Zach is in this location. He's interested in this program. And then I would write an email that uh, kind of puts all those pieces together to convey that, hey, this event is going to be very important and thank you for coming. And we appreciate you traveling this much yeah. because you're at this distance. So all of those things that make it really personal, well, guess what? The machine is going to be able to generate that at scale rather than you know having the more templatized yeah. and 
and uh, when you mention like because you know the student and you might know his interests you can pull extra resources that you have summarize them and give that extra mm. like to, to help convert right hey you know read this this might be important before you come to an event uh, yeah. and this can be personalized depending on a student at a really really large scale and that's and that that's that part right because how can you achieve that uh with just decision trees uh, it, yeah. you will still get to a certain limited number of cases that you can support because it does not scale uh, humanly possible to, to maintain that. Otherwise, you will need to hire a thousand heads. Hey guys, Zach here. I want to quickly interrupt this conversation to invite you to join me at Element 451's Engage Summit on June 27th and 28th in Raleigh, North Carolina. When it comes to the student experience, we know that you want to be a trusted guide from recruiting all the way to graduation. Well, the Engage Summit brings the best minds in higher ed together to give you the strategy and tools that you need to create a cohesive student experience from start to finish. Explore the latest technologies, increase your skill set, and gain insight into today's students to deliver the most powerful and personalized digital engagement experience every step of the way. This is not your standard ed tech user conference. This is a dynamic, inspirational, and empowering event for all higher ed marketers and admissions professionals. I'll be presenting at this year's event along with some of your favorite higher ed LinkedIn and Twitter follows. You can learn more about this event and register for it at engage.element451.com. Oh, and you can get $50 off your registration when you use the discount code Enrollify50, that's Enrollify50 at checkout. So go ahead, check it out, RSVP at engage.element451.com. Looking forward to seeing you all there. Do you all think that there's going to be some sort of like uh, interim step? Like I'm thinking, right, some tools do this with like sequences or like, you know, um, uh, automation flows in in your CRM where it's, it's an attempt to be a little bit more personalized. It's basically a template, but then before you hit send, right, it'll say, hey, Zach, we're going to send this email to, to Petar. Uh, you know, do you want to customize anything real quickly before, you know, or do you want to just enroll him in this sequence and, and then, you know, hit go and he'll get this automated uh, set of communications, right? So basically, it's a, it's a templated like three email series, but you have the ability to very quickly throw in one line of personalization if you want before you enroll your contact in this workflow, right? So that's pretty standard. A lot of CRMs have, have stuff like this. Do you all think that there'll be this, this step where CRMs will basically like, suggest, hey, we're, you know, um, uh, Zach, uh, here are three versions of an email that we could send to Petar right now, uh, as to, to confirm his like registration for this event, like, will there be some more interaction with folks, at least initially, because I would imagine like, if, if I have oodles of data on Petar, like, that's great. And I, I can pull that from but if I only have a little bit of data, it's going to be hard to sort of like, differentiate in, in a meaningful way, especially if, if Petar's never sent me an email with like a bunch of emojis, right? He might be an emoji kind of guy, but if there's been limited correspondence, right? I, I don't know that I'm going to get that. I, mean, I don't know that there's going to be enough data for for um, these tools to kind of like pull from. So I guess what what are like the interim steps to getting to a point where someone, you know, 50 people RSVP to uh, an event and they get 50 different email responses? Like what what do we think is going to happen first? So thinking about this, uh, one thing that you mentioned, uh, interim steps, and I'll, I'll first start, go to the end, and then we'll work my way, my way back. Uh, when you talk about generating the emails and what's a really cool feature that, that will be of it possible, uh, and this all, again, depends on the platform and sure. how the platform is encoded, but uh, uh, 
these things will be able to generate entire workflows for you. Uh, you won't need to even have uh, human intervention to create these steps. So that's huh. the, that's the like the that's the future, right? That's like, hey, you you know the student, you know his context, and you get the workflow specific to that student because it's not it, it it's not just generating text. It can generate text that can be interpreted into actions, and you can using those actions create resources which are like your workflow steps or emails or so that's like the the vision right because in the end you will just have data and you will have algorithms that can you know do something to convert that student or yeah. optimize for something right and it can, it can measure success and feed like have a feedback loop and get better into into predicting that uh, so uh, you're talking about intermediate steps what if it does not have enough context right it doesn't yeah. have enough information uh, good thing is that these these models. Uh, so there's there's a caveat. These models have a problem uh, where currently there's something they call hallucination. Hallucination is, and you saw probably saw that in ChatGPT, uh, it can generate information that's not accurate. It tries to just figure things out from yeah. entire internet, right? It, it was it was feeding yeah. the internet and it tries to generate some text. Yeah. But you can say, hey, don't do that because when you are uh, instructing it to do something, uh, sending that prompt, that's what they call yep. it, like prompting the, the, the model, you can say, hey, don't go outside of this context of this data. And huh. if you don't have if you don't have enough information, that don't try to figure things out. Just you know, say, I don't know. And you would be able to get that as a result, as the output of that little black, black box. It can tell you, I don't have enough information, which can then be a signal which you, uh, you can code into and be like, okay, we need to prompt the user, interact, give it more data, decide what to do. So there will be scenarios where it has enough data yeah. and you just leave it, do you do its work or you, you you intervene. Of course, there needs to be a lot of testing and so you, so you get, you know, you see that, do you trust this process <laughs> or right, you can just you know, blindfold it, let, let, let it, let it run. But uh, yeah. I, I think initially, of course, while training it, you will intervene, but in the end, it will just work and uh, it can probably set up your whole system. I think the, at least that's, that's the promise. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Artis, and then I, I have a follow-up to that. I would just want to say that this is the interim step. This is kind of what we're working on right now, right? So we have the large language models that can generate yeah. stuff for you, but you have to be really good at telling it exactly yeah. what to do uh, so you don't get um, unexpected results. And that's going to be the, the majority. It's going to be this fine-tuning and, and how you build the prompts. And that's a lot of the work that's happening in products right now are around taking that technology and putting the additional layer on top of it that is going to get you the output and the result. And there's a lot of really cool, um, from a technical perspective, really cool and challenging tasks that's happening with, with chaining prompts, the way that prompts are done, the feedback loops that are happening, but you need to have a system that's yeah. able to handle all that stuff and able to inject addi additional context depending on uh, user actions like chatbots, for example. It's like, yes, you can answer a question, but it's going to give you garbage if you don't, you know, if it doesn't, you know, it's going to generate something for you, but it doesn't mean <laughs> that it's true. So that's where the systems are in place. And that's where the on the product side, we have to be good at figuring out what the context is, who the user is, how to grab additional context. And so that's the intermediate step right now that um, that a lot of the work is going towards. It's like in the product yeah, itself. Yeah, no, that's super, super interesting. And like when you were saying, um, Petter, when you were talking about sort of like the, also sort of like the constraints almost that you could give these tools of like, hey, only look at like 
this data, right? Um, to, to help it make, you know, uh, uh, make, make to, to facilitate your answer or whatever. What's super interesting about that, um, and I, I hadn't thought about this before, but like where we're, where we're probably also going is like, hey, let's only look at prospects around these particular like programs, right? Like let's say you're, you're working with a graduate program, right? And you don't, you don't necessarily want to analyze sort of every graduate prospect uh, and every graduate prospect prospective student because depending on the the program that they might be interested in these individuals these these personas right they they might act very differently right but it's like but if you only want to pull from hey what is all you know what what history do we have of people that are interested in an MBA program right and they're from these particular like you know regions of the world and let's only pull from that historical uh, context, right, to inform this workflow that we want to create versus let's pull from all the data that we have across every program, uh, you know, within the school of business to, to write these workflows. And that that is super interesting because maybe that's also sort of this this medium step of before getting to we were talking about this uh, in our, our last episode, we were talking about sort of like a segment of one, right? Like, and that sort of being like the ultimate goal of, of how to best leverage these tools is how do you deliver the best possible experience down to the individual, right? To promote your your product or, or your service. And that's maybe where we're going, but perhaps also this, this interim step is being able to do a thorough and very quick analysis and then serve up recommendations of how best to meet prospects from a very, very specific sort of like niche program, as opposed to prospects a little bit more, more generally. I don't know. So I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I, I feel like that, that is a super interesting insight. Like right now, if, if folks are going to do any of this analysis, it's, it's a pretty manual process, right? Like it's really hard to kind of dig into and, and ascertain trends from how prospects uh, interact, at, again, at, at a program specific level versus at a school level, let alone just as a as, as a graduate school in general level. Our whole app is basically built to, to do some <laughs> of that automation for you, right? So that's what that's what the AI that we've been building over the past five years does. It's actually do- works around the segmentation and and detecting behavior and and bubbling that up. So you can yeah. segment that. The part that we don't have yet is the well, what do you do? Like, what's the generation yeah. part? And that's where schools have been, like we see a huge gap right now is that everybody's really busy on the other side. Mm-hmm. We have the technology, we are, we're bubbling up all these segments, but the schools don't have the capacity, the, techno- the, the, the yeah. manpower, the know-how, the marketing to, to get and, and put communications and do reach outs that are personal yeah. to the students. Yeah. And that's where we are. So. That's the exciting part. The exciting part is that now we can kind of yeah. close the loop. Yeah, interesting. Right? We can we can identify those people and then we can take action to generate content that is uh, done much easier. So that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, very. Would you would you add anything that to uh, to that, Petar? Uh, I would like to add. Uh, so what I see that's that's really really interesting here. Um, and as I just mentioned, that's something that we saw over the past few years as people either are too busy as well, but sometimes people are just not marketing savvy, right? They, yeah. they, or they're not writers, me personally as well, right? If I were to write an email uh, or a marketing email and need to attract attention and focus and be something funny and interesting, right? It can be hard. Sometimes <laughs> it's easier just, yeah, you, you just want to get started and then maybe you can play around after that. Yeah. So these tools will 
uh, try to save you 90% of time. It will try to get you there. You will still, you can still interact and put your persona into that. But uh, to how I envision this, it will be a big time saver, like all over the place. You still need a platform. You will still need a platform to have something to use, to learn to use. Yeah. But uh, it should get you 90% of the way there. And then the, uh, the rest 10% is for you to, to react. Um, as our artist mentioned, um, we get we get we got the data. Uh, we can surface that, uh, and now is we just need a way to surface reactivity, you yeah. know, the ability to react up to onto that, uh, and to that to be easy. But it still needs to be a, a person's choice, right? You don't want to do something autonomous. You need to tell them, hey, you know, do you think this is what we think from from what we see? And these are the options that you can you should do, <laughs> yeah. and this is what we expect to see as the results of those options, right? What 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 are the possible outcomes, and yeah. then they can drive their business, right? So yeah, so it, that's it, promising, very promising. Yeah, it's super, it's super interesting because like like what you were I think both just getting at a little while ago is like who cares if you can do all this segmenting and you can do all this versioning and you can you, you know leverage all these incredible insights right. that that like a tool like Element offers who cares if you still have to do the work of like then creating 17 different versions of that email, right? It's like you have the insight, you know like hey, school, you know, if just write in this particular way to this individual go go come on like we this is you want to do personalized communications this is personalized communications and they agree a thousand percent with you but they're like but artists i'm you know one person or petter like i have one and a half staff like how could i possibly write 17 versions of an email for an open house like no way jose but these tools if they can do 90 percent of that lift and if i just have to go in and like review and just very quickly make sure like you know hey this looks great or let me add you know change a little bit of, of missed context here and that takes me an hour for 17 you know uh, emails you sure as heck better believe i'm gonna spend that hour doing that because the potential outcome of these being highly personalized to these 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 segments is so much greater than any outcome with just one version of an email blasted to all of these segments might be. And and you can also think about the following scenario. There's also a lot of uh, turnover happening in higher ed. Yeah. Uh, there's a, yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of knowledge that's being lost uh, when when you new employees come uh, all the places go. Ah, uh, interesting. But all all of that knowledge is probably in some documents. It's available, you know, in certain knowledge bases on FAQs on websites. But people still need to ingest them. And these writers who well, will go there to write those emails and you know, put some university specific information in them, they still need to learn that, right? People need to, and every university might be different. Uh, mm. With these tools, uh, they are able to ingest a lot of content and then depending on a topic, they can semantically find that meaning and generate content on a certain topic. And then you just wow. go in there and adjust the detail or a tone. So new people coming to the job can be productive day one. They can send out emails day one, even not knowing a lot about university because they can use all that knowledge that's already built in. So that means that uh, like losing people, right? If they leave, uh, you won't lose the knowledge. It's still encoded in there because the, the AI will, will keep it, retain it, and will still keep you, give you the suggestions. That is a really great insight because like I, that, that's something that I, I, I wasn't even thinking about, right? It's like, yeah, like what is all that historical context that is lost? Or, or another example too that just came to mind is imagine, right, being able to go into your CRM, like you go into Element, right? And there's a little chat window or whatever. And you just say like, hey, what was the uh, average open rate and click-through rate of all the emails that we sent for last fall's open house? And you just click go, right? And then immediately you get a response of you, the average open rate was 32% and the average click-through rate was you know 7% or whatever it is, right? And then if, you, if you're new to the job, you'd be like, all right, so this is the benchmark. This is the baseline. 
I'm going to try to like beat this this time around. And like, you'll be able to know very, very quickly rather than having to go scroll through and you realize no one followed the naming convention. It's impossible to know what this email was tied to. Someone hit clone, 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 clone 17 times. And it's the same name of the email. And like, it's just impossible to, to discern sort of like, uh, you know, campaign specific data, unless people, you know, religiously followed the, the, setup processes which most people don't so that is a fantastic insight pattern and like something that is super super interesting to consider again in in sort of this realm of like savings of time i'd love to hear if you guys are willing to share uh a little bit about specifically to, to element right you guys are clearly thinking through these things and on the forefront of these conversations which is again one of the reasons why we're having this this four episode series is because artists was like hey we're doing a lot of great stuff here. Like we want to, we want to share this with the greater higher ed community. Right. And I was like, of course, like let's, let's do this. Right. And you guys have always, you guys are always seen as sort of a, you know, progressive, innovative kind of player in this space. And so it's, it's very appropriate that you guys are leading this conversation as well. I, so I am curious, like what within the context of elements specifically, are you guys thinking through what are some things that you're working on? What can you share with us about this, this secret, like, black AI box that folks might be able to get excited about. Uh, we've talked about this in the prior conversation. So it's around personalization, right? So we're, we're working on pers AI around personalization, uh, efficiency, and also mm. access. So those three things are super important, right? So personalization, we talked about, hey, how can we uh, derive subject lines? How can we derive content that is very personal to that student? Um, some of our email uh, and SMS and kind of campaign tools in Element and landing pages, like we already have that foundation. And now we're working on um, kind of generating content on the fly that is personal to that individual that's going, uh, that email is going out to, and also making recommendations around better subject lines, better. So Petter can kind of talk a little bit more about that. But it's around this recommendation, making things easier. Uh, we had introduced like a year, you know, a couple of years ago, we introduced this whole notion of a campaign yeah. in a box or automated packs. campaigns yeah. with packs. And 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 that was yeah. that was the vision, right? It's like, hey, you have a template of this thing, and then you just inject a couple of things that's specific to the school and it will build something for you. Now imagine that and and taking that and now even personalizing everything around that particular communication or that pack that is that that looks and feels very personal yeah. to the school and doesn't look like a template anymore so our foundational work there is now going to get better and better by adding the uh you know the the ai part to it uh the other thing that we're thinking about is that we're thinking about the the human the human interaction or the end user interaction mm. with element because ultimately um we feel like that element is is a tool that is helping schools to connect better with students, right? And it's all about that connection and and students um, being able to succeed in in kind of getting a degree or um, you know getting enrolled yeah. to the school or even graduating and and kind of communicating better with it. So in that sense, um, we've built like we we focus element a lot on the. Um, the communication part or the experience of that end user with with the school yeah. and the tool. So when you think about that, like we've built you know great tools there, but as we move forward, you need a unique you know you need um, something that's a lot easier to interact with. And chatbots are really that yeah. that tool. But now they have the ability to 
um, to to provide context in those in those communications. So that's uh, something that we're focusing. Our, our conversations tool is a multi-channel, you know, two-way uh, communication. Um, um, kind of platform, uh, chat, live chat, two-way SMS, all of that, inbox, but now add on the ability to um, automatically have the, the, the knowledge base and have the communication and interaction with that student be driven by AI mm. answers, right? So the student has this one pane of glass, which is that chatbot. And now, just like you said, they're asking questions, they're doing work in there, they can um, sign up for events. They can sign up. They can. They can even complete, you know, applications. They can um, ask for 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 grades. They can do all of that thing through this one pane of glass. And behind it is all of the complexity that goes with a, a tool like a CRM, because we have the context of everything. So that's the vision, right? The vision is that simplicity should be key to everything that we're doing and we're simplifying the content generation, but then we're also simplifying the, the user interaction and that experience with the student. Yeah. So Petter can got, dive a little bit deeper on some of that because I, I'm sure you have other questions as well. Diving deeper there because I think what artists just, just painted is like sort of this, this uh, beautiful image of like what everyone in higher ed dreams of, right? Is like the, the simplification of a system that is quite bureaucratic and and honestly quite complicated and, and confusing, right? Like as an industry, the processes that most institutions have uh, in order to inquire, apply, and ultimately enroll, it's just, it, they're, they're, they're historically, they historically have been full of friction, right? And so like th what you're painting artists is this beautiful vision of like, hey, what happens in the future is that a lot of that friction just gets like reduced, right? Because of these, these tools. So, so Petter, like talk to us a little bit more about this vision that artists painted and from a technical perspective, like how is this going to happen? Right. So uh, the main important thing is first, you need to have a platform that solves that problem even without AI. Right. AI mm. is a is a tool that you use. Uh, it's not a, it's not your solution. Right. So we got the platform. Right. So now we're thinking, okay, what what are we offering? Right. We have our messenger. We have our chat that our customers use. That's a really powerful uh, powerful delivery mechanism. Right. It's something something that we Initially, when we were even designing it, we were thinking like, aha, this is really powerful. This can be a powerhouse of applications. It's, it's not just a single mm -hmm. chat. We can power different widgets, pop-ups that can show up on the page and reach the experience for the students. Uh, so that that was a vision even before AI. Now, without, with all these things and how they progressed, uh, it's just escalated and we, we got uh, really inspired. So uh, how we we're thinking in, is AI will be used to remove the decision trees, right? That that's the problem, right? Because you cannot mm. encode them. You need a lot of people, a lot of knowledge, and that's configuration. Nobody wants to work with configuration, right? It, it, yeah. it quickly goes out goes out of hand. So AI will be used to remove the configuration part. Uh, the, the whole idea is it's it should be as simple as turn on and it, and it understands your processes and is able to work, right? So if you're talking about, uh, for example, a QA chatbot, for example, that is that is something that we're working on right now. Yeah. What's the perfect user experience uh, onboarding to a QA chatbot. Right now, what, what, what are people right now doing? They need to encode all the different knowledge, uh, write all of that, right? Then probably set up decision trees. You know, hey, if we detect this intent, that goes to this, etc. But what, what, what's better? Imagine if you just point to your FAQ document or FAQ page on a website somewhere and it just, the, the chatbot knows all about that. As yep. if a person read all of that and knows all that and is able to formulate responses, summarize them, answer in different tones and even adapt to the student. 
that's what's possible now. That's what we're striving now to, to implement, actually. Uh, so that that's first. Uh, yeah. Second is like that. That's again that that is a helper to to boost productivity, right? You don't need to answer now commonly uh, asked questions, and yep. you don't need to answer the things that happened off hours because probably ninety percent of them will probably be resolved by the bot itself. But it, uh, so now we think, how can we get uh, further? Like, what's further? Uh, can you not interact at all, right? Can you can you maybe just leave the bot, do everything, and do it as as if you had a person employed, but at a massive scale? So you would need to uh, bot would need to understand the intent and be able to react on that intent with actions. But again, those yeah. actions need still need to be built in the system. So the system needs to support it. But uh, but this the the current industry trend, right? The bots are uh, not the bots, sorry. The the machine learning models are able to do that. They can translate a certain intent to an action, and then you can hook that up onto your system that can then go further. So that, that what does that mean? That means that a student can go in and ask for their application status right and they can, yeah. they, can they can get that immediately right uh, they can register for an event they right what is able to uh, capture inputs understand them give that give that to the system and system can call that and send it somewhere right so that's the that's those are the little, little nitty-gritty details of, of how we are thinking of doing this Peter makes a good a good point but sometimes like you can pontificate all day long and say oh this is gonna be it but when we talk about like the, the things that he's mentioning um, the QA stuff, like we're talking like weeks and then like short term, um, medium term, long term. When we talk about that, it's like weeks, a couple of months, and then six months yeah, is our long wow. term. So, you know, over the next six months, like all the things that we're talking about, they're either, you know, being tested right now in production or in kind of a test kind of phase. We figure out the technology and um, and all those pieces. So over the next six months, there's going to be a, a huge change of all of these tools being now uh, attached yeah. to reduce that that work there. That's so incredible. And, you know, one of the things, uh, Petter, that you said, um, which, which I think is like a really important thing for everyone to remember here, right, is like this idea of being able to interact as a prospective student with a chatbot. And it's like one interface and you, you can ask it whatever you want to get what you need, right? Which is essentially what ChatGPT is, right? Like that is that is what why it's exactly. taking the world by storm exactly. is like it's one interface. You get whatever you need from that. And the reality of the situation is like even for the people listening right now that are like, oh, this, you know, yeah, like the, we'll see. We'll see about these these tools and these things, blah, blah, blah. There is an entire generation right now of your future students who are being introduced to information in the context of ChatGPT. So you like you yeah, yeah. you this is not like a okay maybe this is like a luxury good this this is this is a necessity because your future prospects the people that you're you're going to want to attract to your programs they're not going to search in in the traditional you know way that that I searched for school right or you guys might have searched for school even like i think about the people who are 10 15 20 years older than me you know they, they all they all did they all like understand like a uh, hierarchy and like navigation. And like when they go to a website, like they go to the nav and they go to the sub nav and they find the information that they're looking for because that's how they were used to content being organized. I like never go and, and sort through like a nav bar. I go to the search bar. I always go and try to find the search bar so I can quickly look for what, you know, find what I'm looking for on that website. Right. This next generation of prospective students, they're not even going to search. They're not even going to go to the search bar. They're going to expect this interface that they can very quickly and easily interact with in this, the tone and the style that they prefer. And they're going to expect a really quality answer. And if they don't get that, they're not going to have the patience 
to stick around. They're going to go find something else. And like, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, that is just the reality. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, w- one last thing I wanted to add there that the, it, it's, it's, it's been really difficult in the past is my multi-language mm. translations on terms of Q&A. And so access to information, um, we get asked every single day by our partners, hey, can we have multiple, like we've, we've done translations and we've done internationalization on our applications and all that. However, writing the content is, yeah. is a problem, right? So they have the content in English. And now how do you provide that same answer in, in uh, you know, Spanish or French yeah. or whatever, whatever that language is, Chinese? So um, as these international students are coming in, they're asking those questions now, would it be really nice to answer, to take that same knowledge base and, and be able to give that answer in the native language that that person mm. is interacting with? So that is, that is a huge opportunity that is going to be, you know, that is going to be delivered. Um, be, we're getting that for free, yeah. basically, because of this large language models, and we're basing our AI on um, uh, our conversational AI on the same model that ChatGPT is built on, which is the, is it DaVinci 3, yes. Petter? Yeah. You remind me, I, this is probably getting too <laughs> technical, but it's in the open AI, uh, it's the open AI um, uh, model for that the same one that ChatGPT mm-hmm. uses. Um, so you get translation yeah. for free. So now you can say, give me this answer in Spanish. And it will actually translate right. that same answer to you in Spanish. So you don't need to have multilingual um, knowledge bases anymore right. or translate your website because that's all going to be done by. Right. And that's the, the, yeah, models. That's the, the, the second component, right? As you mentioned, like there, there, there still needs to be a language uh, knowledge base, right? That content still needs to be somewhere and can be written in a single language, right? But the mm-hmm. bot needs to be able to search it, right? Uh, and that that's also some one of the features that that machine learning models give us is that semantic search. Yeah, people are people are mostly familiar with uh, keyword searches. You search something, it needs to match on a certain keyword. That's impossible, right? right to to match different languages. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a, like, uh, but if you think about semantic, what it does, it translates the meaning and is able to encode that meaning and search by meaning. I mean, I, I, we can go into details how that actually works, but. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very yeah. generic right now, right? When you think about ChatGPT, um, you can go in there and say, "What? When? When is the school closed?" Right? It doesn't know that because it doesn't have the context. It just has general information, so it's going to give you an answer <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is yeah. not even correct. So we got to tell it. It's like, hey, if you don't know it, don't give us an answer. But now, what we're able to do is we're able to give it that context. But in order to pull that context from hundreds of thousands of, of, of pieces of text that might be your website, FAFSA, you know, like government data, you know, all of these things that are very specific to higher education that might be proprietary or now you need to be able to search to yeah. give the context because you can only give it so much context, right? You can only allow so much context. So you need to be able to give it the right piece of context. So semantic search around that context becomes super important, right? And that's kind of what Petter is talking about, is that you need to be able to find that content um, that is relevant to the question that's being asked and then inject it to to the prompt so then you can get a 
um, the right information and the bot can can kind of give you the right information. Think, so there's there's a lot of steps that go into that. And part. think about all the variations. Like the the same the question can be in different languages. Yeah. Right? The content the content exactly. itself can be in different exactly. languages and also the answer should be in a different language and a different tongue. Yes. And all of that is now possible to be to be accomplished quite easily using these machine learning models. So that's the that's the wow. It is a wow. <laughs> On this note too, right? Like as an industry you're like like higher ed considers itself to be a very accessible industry, exactly. right? And accessibility is incredibly important to to higher education as, as it should be. And also like higher ed has a very, most higher education institutions have a relatively diverse quote unquote customer base, right? Like not every organization or company has as dramatic of a quote unquote uh, customer base as higher education institutions do, right? Most higher education institutions have several people Right, like a several meaningful a meaningful percentage of their students coming from other countries, and not just one other country, but countries all around the world. And so, if for no other reason to get excited and pay attention to what's happening right now in AI, schools should care purely for the accessibility uh, components that AI can offer, even if they they're having issues with everything else. Fine, ignore all those other things. But what you guys are both just with uh, what you guys are both hitting at right here is so so important that it actually makes accessibility possible in a way that historically hasn't hasn't been able to be possible unless you could afford to have staff who were well equipped to translate every single communication into every possible language that your prospective students uh, might affiliate with and the student can answer can ask questions in their own native language rather than figure out how to ask yeah. it in english and then you can translate it or looking for information so it's it's uh... Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I'm so excited, guys, for what you all are doing at Element here. And I think that you all kind of being the the pioneers in this space of figuring out, all right, how do we take all these things that we hear about, ChatGPT, OpenAI, you know, the future of, of machine learning, these, these, again, buzzworthy terms that everyone's talking about, how do we like work these into a, a meaningful context that serves us as higher education marketers and admissions professionals uh, in, in more concrete ways? And so I'm just very thankful for all the work, all the time and energy and R&D and money that you guys are spending to try to figure all this stuff out. It's incredibly important for not just Element partners, but uh, the greater higher, higher education community to be able to look to as, as an example of people kind of doing this work. Uh, for folks that do want to learn more or kind of just stay up to date on what you guys are building, uh, what's what's the best way for them to to kind of like get in touch? Just go to our website, element451.com. And then, um, you know, you can kind of look through our resources. We have a lot of resources there and we're posting uh, blog posts all the time. Um, we also have a, a conference uh, in, in at the end of June called the Engage uh, Summit. Uh, and that's where we're going to... Uh, make available a lot of this newer technology that, that we're talking about, obviously before then as well, but that would be a really good place to uh, come in, build community. You don't have to be an Element customer. You know, it's um, uh, it, it's here in Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, it's it's a place where you can get a lot of ideas. I know, Zach, you were one of the yes. participants, one of the speakers last year at that conference, and everybody loved your um, loved your session around uh, email marketing <laughs> and kind of what drives students. And so that was, that was a popular one, but it's, it's a, it's a great place yeah. to go. Yeah. I, I can't recommend, uh, the event enough. I think 
it's really cool to see you guys taking this position in the space of being obviously a software provider, but creating an event that's not just a user conference. There's, you know, several others kind of like in the space that create essentially like user conferences, but it's cool to have you guys uh, pioneering again, uh, an event that's not just an element user conference, but really sort of a, a broader sort of a educational event for people who are interested in understanding sort of the future of marketing and technology and, and admissions uh, in higher ed. So can't recommend the, uh, the event enough. And again, we'll have a link in the show notes below, um, so you can scroll down and just head on over to the event landing page too, if you want more information there, but Petter artists, thank you both so much for your time. Thank you for the, the, again, the innovation you guys are doing in, in this space, super grateful and, and thankful to, to element for helping make this whole mini podcast series, uh, possible. And again, if you're just tuning into this episode and you haven't listened to the previous three episodes, they're they're fire. They're fire episodes. Just scroll down to the show notes, click on episodes one, two, and three, and and enjoy. Um, but thank you, gentlemen, for your time. Thank you, Zach. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Zach. It was a blast. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Enrollify podcast. If you like this episode, do us a huge favor and hit that follow and subscribe button below. Furthermore, if you've got just two minutes to spare, we would greatly appreciate you leaving a rating and a review of this show on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. But Enrollify is far more than just a podcast network. Enrollify is where higher ed comes to learn new marketing skills, discover new products and services, and find their next job. We're a growing learning community of 4,000 members, and we'd love to welcome you into the fold. You can access our free blog articles, newsletters, e-courses, and more, or purchase our master course on how to market a university with Terry Flannery at enrollify.org. We look forward to meeting you soon and welcoming you into the community. Again, you can subscribe for free at enrollify.org.